You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. This morning, we are continuing our series entitled Throwing Shade. We're in part two. And I'm really excited about this morning's content because I believe it goes so well with Growth Track Session 2. And uh, each week we do a really what is the next steps once you've received Christ or you want to continue to learn more about him, more about the church. Or maybe your spiritual walk has kind of hit a slump. And you just need that, that re-energizing. You just need that pick-me-up. Uh, that's what our three-week class growth tracks is for. We've revamped it. It used to be four weeks, and now we've made it three weeks. And you can just kind of jump in. It's week number two, but you're still more than welcome to just kind of jump in. And so what I'd love to do is last week we shot kind of a video just kind of telling a little bit about it. So I'd love for us as we kick off this morning, just kind of turn our attention toward the screen this morning. Just kind of watch this quick recap. Hi, my name is Yvonne, and I'm a strong believer in Jesus Christ. So what I've learned is that um, God opens doors for a reason, and um, it's important for me to be obedient, and that's why I'm here. So me and my husband decided to try it, and fell in love. I'm here to uh, help support my fiance and uh, my further spiritual growth. It's all about uh, unity of Christ, further fellowship, that's what uh, helps support me. I love it. It's a great class. You want to go there. Also, there is food. Don't just go there for the food, but if you'd like to be a part of that class at any time, you can just go to that class. We offer it during uh, both of each of our services, so you can be a part of that because we really care about you continuing not only to find Jesus, but follow Jesus, and that's the discipleship process where you kind of continue to grow, and uh, we're just glad you're here. Last week, we kicked off our series entitled Throwing Shade, and we looked at the secret of silence or the strength of silence. You say, what do you mean strength of silence? Oftentimes, it's not so much what we do that gets us into trouble, but oftentimes what gets us into trouble is what we say. I'm a parent. I have three little children, and uh, my kids are nine, seven, and two, and my nine and seven-year-old, it's not that I'm angry or upset with them, but I may ask them to do something, and it's not scorched earth parenting. It's not like I'm super frustrated, but then the moment they kind of talk back, roll their eyes, then, then we have a problem. Now it's scorched earth. Now it's, oh, as a parent, that just kind of gets you, right? And maybe you have a teenager or maybe you have a husband and uh, uh, this stuff happens to you. Maybe, I don't know. And uh, so you understand it's not what you did, it's what you said. So sometimes it's our words. And so we, last week we looked at, as we we're studying the life of King Hezekiah, how King Hezekiah told his people, hey, when the enemy comes against us, don't say a word. So don't talk because there is a strength in our silence. Now, some of you are sitting here and you've got this down. You are a calm, cool, collected person. 
You know how to handle difficulty, and you know how to handle stress. But then there's some of you, you're like me. You just can't wait to argue. You can't wait. You're like, all right, let's power up, man. Let's go to town. Let's, I've, been, I've been itching for a good argument. I've been, I've been itching for a good comeback, you know? And uh, when you argue, it's downright poetic. You just know how to, like, send those zingers. Uh, or you're the type of person that three days later, you know what to say. You're like, oh, man, you're still thinking about it. And as you're driving down the 101, stuck in traffic, I should have said that. Oh, man. All right, you know, maybe you're that. Uh, But we learned last week that there's a secret or there's a strength to silence. And the Bible even tells us how Jesus, as he was led before Herod, he didn't say a word, kept his silence. And maybe you're thinking, but I just don't know how to do that. And I'm so glad you're back for part two of this series because I believe today we're going to look at how do we draw from that inner strength. And I got this message from my daughter, my nine-year-old daughter, Megan. Because after every uh, holiday or after every little birthday party she goes to or whenever she goes to the store, she comes back with some little trinkets, little candy, little toys. And there's a spot in our kitchen. There's a cupboard right underneath the microwave. We have these big pots that we rarely use. It's, it's used for like Thanksgiving. You might cook a turkey or a ham. And, and inside one of those big pots, a little grate, and in, in the corner of those you'll see Megan's little stash of stuff, little, little candy and little toys. And, and, and you say, well, why is Megan, a nine-year-old girl, hiding her secret stash in the corner? Is it because she has two brothers? No. It's because of her dad will eat all of her candy. All of it. I have no problem. Jimmy Kimmel said I could do it, okay? So, I mean, and I, and I don't just believe after Halloween. Any time is, is open season for, for the candy, right? And I learned that my daughter learned this from her mother. Because her mother likes Dove Dark Chocolate. And she, we got a couple people. They just got saved. And uh, they, they love dark, Dove Dark Chocolate as well. So her mother has a husband, me, who also loves Dove Dark Chocolate. And what will happen is she had planned all day, oh, I'm going I'm to get home and I'm going to eat one of those Dove Dark Chocolates. And she would go into the cupboard and they're missing, except for the bag. And some wrappers, you know. I don't know why I never learned to not leave the evidence behind, you know. I'm just, I'm just really bad. I always leave all the evidence, okay. And uh, so I haven't learned yet. And so my wife has learned to have a secret stash, not only for her Dove dark chocolate, but also for her Ben and Jerry's fish food, okay. That also has a secret place. And I notice she always hides it now behind leftovers. She just knows I, I ain't touching the leftovers that are in the freezer, you know. I don't know how long it's been left there, and it was left there for a good reason. I don't, I don't understand why we call it leftovers. People left it for a reason. All right, we don't want it, okay? And uh, so, so it's always there, but then I thought about it. I think you and I have our secret stash. Maybe it's candy, chocolate, or a beverage. Maybe there's something after a long day, traffic, there's something that you look forward to. And it's kind of something that you come home after a long day or, or, or it's a, a little time to turn on Netflix or watch some sports. You got that go-to snack, that go-to thing, and, man, you're looking forward to it. And you go there because it kind of makes you feel a little bit better when you eat it. So I thought about, you know, we have a physical secret stash, but we should also have a spiritual secret stash, a place that we go to where we draw strength, where we draw encouragement, where we can tap into something that can help us find the strength to be silent in those difficult moments, where we want to lash out and say things that are untrue and unkind, where we want to lash out to one another. Instead, we need to find that secret source. And I think King Hezekiah is going to help us this morning. 
because our theme verse is Ephesians 4.29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. That's our goal, isn't it? That's our desire. Our desire is that we would be helpful in what we say, but how do we find the inner strength to do that? If you have a copy of God's word, would you turn to 2 Chronicles chapter number 32, and let's look at 11 verses here. I think the king is going to help us this morning. Verse number one, here's what the Bible says. It says, after all that Hezekiah had so faithfully done, what's he talking about so faithfully done? He's saying he had paid tribute. The king of Assyria said, hey, I'm going to attack you unless you pay tribute. So King Hezekiah that we studied last week, he paid the tribute. He even went to the temple and he took the handles that were made out of gold and he melted those down to pay the king of Assyria. But what did the king of Assyria do? You'll see. Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah. He laid siege to the fortified cities, thinking to conquer them for himself. When Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that he intended to war, wage war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his officers and military staff about blocking off the water from the springs outside the city, and they helped them. They gathered a large group of people who blocked all the springs and the stream that flowed through the land. Because he said, why should the kings of Assyria come and find plenty of water? Because in those days, what you would do, you'd have a walled city, and those walled cities would keep you protected. And an enemy force would come in and lay siege to it. So they would block any way for any food or resources to make it into the city, and they would just wait you out. But at this time, which is 670 B.C., this time there was no running water inside the city of Jerusalem, inside the city gates. So what would happen is the people that lived in Jerusalem would have to leave the safety of the city gates, and they would have to go to the, the, this river. And they'd have to go there, and they would draw water, bring it back into the city. So King Hezekiah said, hey, I know armies march in their stomachs. You can go several weeks without food, but you'd only go three days without water. So why are we going to leave all these resources for our enemy? I think that's a good point. Why do we leave stuff for the enemy? So he said, hey, let's stop up all the springs. Let's, let's block them all off. So when the enemy gets here, guess what? They're not going to find anything. So he continues on, verse number five. Then he worked hard repairing all the broken sections of the wall. And building towers on it, he built another wall outside the one and reinforced the terrace of the city of David. He also made large numbers of weapons and shields. He appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square at the city gate and encouraged them with these words. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said. Later, when Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and all the forces were laying siege to Lachish, he sent his officers to Jerusalem with this message for Hezekiah, king of Judah, and for all the people of Judah who were there. This is what Sennacherib, king of Assyria, says. On what are you basing your confidence? that you remain in Jerusalem under siege. When Hezekiah says, the Lord our God will save us from the hand of the kings of Assyria, he is misleading you to let you die of hunger and thirst. To let you die of hunger and thirst. You see, I love it when I know something that somebody else doesn't know. You ever knew a secret that somebody else wanted to know that secret? Maybe you've already done your Christmas shopping. And every time you see your spouse, a smile just comes to your face because you already got their present. They don't know what it is. 
Or maybe uh, like this week, my wife was gone. We picked her up from the airport, and the kids had done all these, made these cards, gotten balloons, got everything ready. So they were so excited. They could barely keep the secret. You know, Austin's got his hand over his mouth because he doesn't want to give away the secret. So as soon as my wife Jane gets home, there's all these things waiting for her. It was a secret. Don't you love it when you got a secret? Can you imagine? Put yourself in their position right now. Here, the embassy of the king of Assyria, he's come, and he's saying, hey, we're going to invade you. We're going to lay siege, and guess what? You're going to die of hunger, and you're going to die of thirst, and you could just see the guys all kind of chuckling to themselves. Actually, they don't say it, but they knew something. You see, the enemy doesn't know what you know. I think sometimes we give the devil too much credit, don't we? We think he knows what we know. That's not always the case. The devil doesn't know what you know. He doesn't know what you feel. He doesn't know what's on your mind. And sometimes we give so much credence to what the devil can do. And so because the devil doesn't know what you're thinking, doesn't know what you're feeling, he'll feed you with misinformation. So he fed him with misinformation. Hey, you're going to die of hunger and you're going to die of thirst. But here's the amazing thing that King Hezekiah did. You see, King Hezekiah did something that is a modern marvel to this day. If you go to Jerusalem today, you'll find something. It's called Hezekiah's Tunnel. After the first service, somebody came up to me afterward, and they said, I hiked through it. I went through that tunnel. It's amazing to go through that tunnel. You see, King Hezekiah did something. He knew that the Gihon River that they draw water from, the enemy was going to take and use that for their siege. So he said, let's divert the, in the, in the Gihon River, and let's divert it into the city of, Jer of Jerusalem. Let's take that water source and let's move it into the city, which is no small feat because they had to dig 1,750 feet, which is just incredible. I want to put a picture up here of what this uh, underground river looks like this morning. This is exactly what you can go. If you go to trip to the Holy Land, you will find this. You can walk through it. It's amazing. But I want to show another picture of Jerusalem. I want you to have this. I know it's going to seem like kind of more of a, of a lecture this morning, but I'm going somewhere with it. You can see the blue line in the picture. That's where they dug this river underground. And here's why it's a modern-day miracle. Because today, it's no problem to dig a tunnel, to let water flow. We do it all the time, all right? We understand this. But understand, this is 670 B.C. How did they know how to get it to where they wanted it? That's incredible. It's one of the modern things that still has people uh, perplexed because some people think, well, how did they do it? And to make matters even worse, they were lacking on time. So King Hezekiah said, hey, let's get a team digging at this end and let's get another team digging at this end. And they met in the middle. How incredible is that? I love it when I'm in a conversation with somebody, we meet in the middle. Where our conversations meet. Where we understand, oh, this is a God thing. God's in this. And so they met in the middle, and they dug 1,750 feet. You say, how big is that? It's the same size as the One World Trade Center. Let me put up this picture. That's how, if, if, if you were to go through it, it's 1,750 feet. It's as tall as that building. That's a long way to dig. Or to make it more relevant to us, that would be the length of almost six football fields, almost six Levi stadiums. That's the length that they dug to get the water because it was so important that they have water. It mattered so much to them. And so they knew that, hey, when this army gets here, guess what? They might be outside the walls and they may have food, but they're eventually going to run out of water because there's over 150,000 troops that are going to be camped out of the city gates of Jerusalem, 150,000. That's a lot of water. Some of us, we know we should drink more water. They say you should drink half your body weight in water. That's in ounces. They say, hey, whatever you weigh, cut it in half. That's how many ounces you should be drinking. It's a lot of water. Some of us are like, did I have water today? I had a soda. I had coffee. I had lots of coffee. I don't know if I drank any water. So we understand that, hey, we should be drinking water. So imagine this army outside the city gates. 
they're going to run out of water. Because why? King Hezekiah had his men stop up all the springs. So that then you could just picture the army of Jerusalem as they're looking down at the soldiers who are now starting to get dehydrated, chapped lips. And you could just see a couple soldiers with a nice cool glass of water just kind of drinking it back, swishing it in their mouth, and then spitting it out on the ground, gurgling with that water, telling the other enemy soldiers, we just took a long shower. We don't care about the water bill because we got all kinds of water running through here. Because the enemy would love to get you to think, guess what, you can't survive. And I think the enemy teaches us and gives us so many lies that we, sadly, we give into because we don't understand that God said, hey, I've given you everything you need that pertains to life and godliness. God said, I'm going to take care of you. You see, what did King Hezekiah have? He had a secret stash. He had a secret source. So when the enemy surrounded him, he could draw from something to draw strength from. You see, you and I are going to go through deep trials. We're going to go through difficult circumstances where we need to have something deep that we know we can draw strength from. You see, we talk about it around here that we encourage you to have a Bible so you can draw strength from God's word. We love it that you come to church so you can draw strength from God's church. We love it when you get into a life group because you can draw strength from a life group. You can draw strength from a good friend. You can draw strength from a strong relationship. You can draw strength from being a part of growth tracks. You can draw strength from being a part of ministry. You can draw strength from these. These things are a secret source. But understand, King Hezekiah was very wise, and he knew something. He said, wait a minute, this is a secret source. But I want to put a picture back up, because there's something else that he did, a picture of Jerusalem. Because not only did he dig this well, not only did he run it 1,750 feet, but also you can see just to the right of that blue line, there's a wall. When In verse number 4 and 5, he talks about building a wall. He built another wall, because guess what? We need to secure our source. If you have a secret source, you need to secure that source. He said, the enemy's going to figure out, hey, it's been three, four days. They're not out of water. Hey, it's been a week. They're still not out of water. They've got a source in there. Let's invade now because they'll be able to wait us out. So we got to go now. So Hezekiah knew. So he built this wall. Let me ask you a question. What's the wall you put around your marriage? Because that's a source. What's the wall you put around your parenting? Those children, those could be a good source. Hey, what's the wall you put around your church? You say, hey, I draw strength from this. We need to secure our source. But too often we let things go unprotected. We just say, oh, it's not a big deal. You see, I think somebody's wisely said that the birthmark of a believer is a bullseye. That the enemy's coming after us. And so we need to say, you know what? If this is important, if this is valuable, I need to protect it. You see, see, we need to guard the gift. You see, God's given us the gift, but we need to guard it because otherwise the enemy wants to come in and take that gift from us and to steal it, to draw, to take away our strength. I think too often we just don't realize exactly what we have and the enemy wants to get it from us. Uh, after we recently lost our building, somebody had uh, donated some amazing lights, just incredible lights. They were awesome. Now, our sound team said I looked a little dark during the first service and they joked that he probably sold the lights we needed to light me properly. I resent that. I was part of that text message thread. We will be having words later after this conversation. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But uh, uh, somebody had donated these amazing lights. We were going to put them up the building. We weren't able to. But then we had a downsize. So I put these lights up on good old Craigslist. And I was like, these look like cool lights. $400. I didn't think anybody paid $400. All of a sudden, I got hit with something. Somebody said, I'll pick them up tomorrow. I was like, perfect, easy. Goes back into the building fund, which God is blessing right now because one day we will have a building. We will have a property. And so we're putting the money in there because we will get it. 
And so the men, I'm glad one person has faith. Amen. God bless you. Uh, there we go. There's two of us. All right. And so they showed up. And uh, I started to talk to them because they were kind of nervous guys, you know, kind of nervous, looking over their shoulder. And they real quickly grabbed the lights, threw them into their pickup truck, handed me the cash. I'm, I'm kind of a social guy. I want to talk to people, hear their story, sit down, have coffee, whether they want to or not. I just like talking to people. And so I was like, well, what are you going to do? Put it in your office? Put it in your, in, in, in your garage? You're doing a home gym? What's going on? And the guys kind of looked at each other, and they looked at me, and they were like, um, well, these lights are state-of-the-art lights. There's no light bulbs. And I was like, oh, okay, no light bulbs. That's cool. Like, then they're no good. They were like, no, no, you don't understand. This is modern technology. Um, we're this light company's competition. We're going to reverse engineer and steal their stuff. Goodbye. Thank you. And they took off. And I was like, uh, what did I just do? Did I just, like, ruin a company? I'm watching the stock market for this company. I was like, oh, please. I hope they don't go out of business. I'm going to feel really, really bad, you know? And, uh, uh, you know, I was thinking about these engineers, and I was like, man, should I fight them and take it back? I was like, they're engineers. They're kind of weak, you know? And uh, so I was like, I could take them, you know? And uh, sorry, engineers. I held it back for the first one, but the second one, it's, off. it's all good. It's, it's free game. Uh, so there goes half the church. All the engineers leave. Uh, but I remember thinking, and then they looked at me, and they were smiling. They said, $400 is a deal for these lights. I said, yeah, I'm getting $400. It's a good deal for me. And then he's like, no, they're worth $1,000 each. And then they drove off. <sighs> and I can't believe I'm sharing this with you. And then I turned around. I was like, man, that's a bummer. And then God kind of used it and said, how many things spiritually do we leave on the table that the enemy takes from us that we don't see it as valuable? How many of us let our marriage just go unprotected? We don't see it as valuable. How many of us let a good church just kind of die and dwindle as we think, ah, I don't really need to value that? Because we're giving up things. And King Hezekiah said, hey, why should we leave this water for our enemy? Why should he be drawing strength from what we should be drawing strength? That is the enemy. This is, this is what God has given to us. And so some of us, we don't guard these places. We don't secure our sources. Hey, are you watching out for your children? Are you watching out for those in your life group? Are you watching out for those that are part of the, the family that God has given you? Are you saying, hey, God, I'm going to secure this. I'm not going to leave anything on the table that the enemy can touch. I'm not going to let the enemy get to it. I'm going to guard it. My wife was gone all last week, and I can tell you what, I have never appreciated her as much as I did last week. I was texting her over and over, and I was like, I don't know how you do it. This is incredible. I was thinking, watching three kids, no problem. But then I realized, I have actually never watched all three kids without Jane since we've been married and since we've had three kids, all right, which has been years. And then all of a sudden, she left, and I was waving, saying, we're going to have a great time. And then my kids just all had this murderous look in their eye, and they had turned to me. And have you ever seen the Discovery Channel where the lion's about to eat the baby zebra? I was the baby zebra in this analogy, okay? I never thought a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old and a two-year-old could be so diabolical. I mean, it was next level. I was supposed to do stuff and answer and be on top of things. I was like a wreck, okay? It was unbelievable. So when Jane got home, I said, you're never allowed to leave again. She was like, but my sister just had a baby. I don't care. I, you're staying here. I can't. What, I called a coach, a friend of mine, and he was like, just tell your wife how many kids does she want to have when she gets back and pick which one's going to live. Like, pick your favorite because one's going to go. It's not going to be my fault. 
but you just pick now, all right? So this is what happened. So when she got back, I was just like, babe, I, I, I will never, ever say, well, what did you do all day long? You know, just stayed home with the little kids, easy. I went and did some man's work today. You know, I, I just won't ever do that anymore after what I saw my wife go through. And now I have a profound respect for it. Why? Here's what happens. We don't know what we're leaving on the table, and I think I figured out why. And I'm going to illustrate it. Because oftentimes we see stuff on the table and we often skip the source because we don't like the surroundings. You say, what do you mean? You see, they had to dig the tunnel. God didn't deliver it. And too many times we want God to deliver stuff he told us to dig for. You see, a strong marriage just doesn't get delivered. When you said, I do, God didn't just say, excellent, the next 40 years, piece of cake. No, 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 no. The cake happened at the wedding. There's no more cake. Cake is gone. No cake for you. All right? You want cake, you earn cake. All right? You got to work for that cake. All right? But they don't tell you this when you're eating the cake. They don't tell you, enjoy that cake. That's really good cake. You ain't getting no more cake. All right? You got to work for it. See, they, they didn't just get a tunnel. They had to dig for it. They had to work for it. You see, so many times we miss God's presence that he gives us because we don't like the presentation. Let me illustrate this. You see, too many times we just see all these resources that God gives us and we just don't understand how valuable they are. This week, I went grocery shopping. And I was excited because I got some food here that I'd never seen before. Like I went down to the fruits and vegetables aisle at the Lion Market. Anybody ever been to the Lion Market? Let me see a witness. That is a cool place to go to the Lion Market. Now, please explain to me. Is this a fruit or a weapon? I could see early cavemen using this to throw at people's heads. <gasps> Launch the spiky melons at them. Away with you. And I could see the other one going, sir, they got spiky melon things. What should we do? Retreat, you know, they got the this, you know. And I was amazed because I had never seen things like this before. Like, I was just amazed. I was like, that is just the coolest thing in the world. I mean, it, it looks kind of dangerous. What is it? And I am so wonderfully married to an amazing Filipino woman who she grew up eating this kind of stuff. Now, little audience participation. I know next week is Multicultural Sunday, but help me out. How many know what this is? Shout it out. Durian. Excellent. The first service, they, they were calling it all kinds of different stuff. But yes, it's durian. Durian is a fruit, and guess what? It's delicious. Now, it looks dangerous, but it's delicious. You see, too often we miss what is on the table because we don't like the presentation. We skip it. Some of you, you no longer like your marriage, and so you're like, well, I'm going to walk away from it. And God's like, wait a minute, there's still good stuff there. Here, here let's do another one. Let's do another one. Any of you ever know, seen this or know what this is? Oh, you guys are good. It's delicious, isn't it? It's super good. Some of you are like, hmm, how about these? Grapes. These, were, these grapes have been dried in Fresno a little bit too long. <laughs> Anybody want some grapes? <laughs> Anybody know what this is? Dates? Close? Lychee. Yes. Now, somebody brought these over to my house, and when you peel them, they look like an eyeball. I kid you not. All right? They look white like an eyeball, and then you bite them in half. There's a little seed in there. It looks just like an olive ball. You want some great Halloween candy? Give them some lychee. All right, what about this one? Let me fold it over. This is great. How many know what this is? It's leaking. It's, it's purple. Close, dragon fruit. It's purple yam. 
It's delicious. Purple yam, super good. You see, what, what happens is we will miss stuff because guess what? We look at the things God has given us. We say, I don't like the presentation, so I'm going to skip it. And God's like, you don't understand. There's good stuff there. You see, I was talking to my wife, and she was like, hey, you're going to go to the Lion Market and get some fruit? I said, yes, I am. She said, you want me to go with you? I said, no. I like going to the Lion Market just being the only white guy. Because they just see me walking in, and they were like, are you lost, sir? No. I love coming to places like this. This is why I moved to the Bay Area. I love it. And then I grabbed all this random stuff. You should have seen the lady as I was paying for it, just looking at me, you know? And I was like, oh, it's delicious, isn't it? And so too often, God is providing stuff to us that we don't think is good. There's a great book. It's written by a lady by the name of Bennett, and she said, a trip to Holland is what the book is called, or welcome to Holland. You see, she had a child who was born with autism. And she said, you know, it's a gift to have a child, but imagine you were packing to go to Hawaii. And when you step off the plane, you're not in Hawaii, you're in Holland. She's like, that's what it's like having a child who's born with Down syndrome or autism. And she said, you know what? Holland is beautiful. It's just different than Hawaii. It's beautiful. It's just different. You see, God is trying to teach us a lesson this morning. Because there's so many things that you and I are guilty of leaving on the table because we don't like what it looks like. And we've got to grow in spiritual maturity. We say, you know what, God? If you've given it to me, then it's for my good. If God, you've given it to me, it's for my good. Touch your neighbor and say, if God gave it to me, it's for my good. If God gave it to me, it's for my good. God gave you that spouse. He gave you those children. He gave you that church. He gave you that life group. He gave you those friends. God gave it to you, so it's for your good. Guess what? I'll step it up. He gave you that trial. It's for your good. And I know that's tough to receive. Thursday, somebody calls me and said, hey, pray for me. My grandfather just died. I said, yes, definitely. I'll pray for you. Three hours later, I got a phone call from my own family. Your grandfather just died. I was like, wow. We truly do hold this treasure in earthen vessels. Life is fragile. I don't stand up here on some ivory tower thinking, no, no, I've got it all figured out. I'm saying I've got to find a secret source that can weather the trials that God, I can say, God, I don't like the way this looks, but guess what? If you gave it to me, then it's good for me. If you want to entrust me with it, then God help me to be worthy of it. I'm not going to leave this on the table. I'm going to continue to live this and walk this out, God. And so now I can change my attitude and my heartbeat towards it. But too often, we're guilty of skipping the source because we don't like the surroundings. Because we say, God, it's not what I thought it would look like. You know what I've realized? Too many times we're guilty of missing out on what is because we're in love with what was. God has so many good things in our future, but we can't actually see it or perceive it because we're in love with the past. We're in love with walking outside the streets of Jerusalem, down to the Kidron Valley, and down to the Gihon River, and drawing our bucket, where God says, no, I'm going to sink a well, and I'm going to run it right into the city, and there in the city you can get your source. But instead, we're like, God, no, I'd rather do it this way, and God's like, your way is harder. You know, you and I need to say, God, I'm going to submit to this, because I understand this is going to work for my good and your glory, God. So help me to receive this with the right posture, with the right attitude. And then God says, look, I can do great things for you. You see, too many times we are missing out on what I call underground grace. That's what this river was. It's underground grace. 
Because too often we, re- we don't see that God's got something that he's working under the surface. We can't see it yet. There is something that is happening in your life that God says it's under the surface. You can't see it yet. There is something that God's doing in your ministry that's under the surface. You can't see it yet. There is something God's doing under the surface in your child's heart. You just can't see it yet. There is something that God is doing in your marriage. It's under the surface. You just can't see it yet because it's called underground grace. And God said it's there. I'm working all things for my good and for your glory. It's just there. You may not perceive it, but guess what? That does not mean I'm not working in it or through it. You see, God is working all things together for good. All things. You see, Moses had a staff that parted the Red Sea. It was Elisha and the ravens and the widow that God used. The ravens and the widow was God's underground grace. Elisha almost missed God's presence because he didn't like the presentation. It was David who didn't realize that, guess what? Goliath is actually a gift. Because one day later in his life, he was going to need Goliath's sword. It's amazing that David never again used a slingshot in his ministry and in his life. He used it one time, never again, but he did use Goliath's sword. You see, sometimes we think of our greatest enemy, our greatest trial is just out there to destroy us. And God's like, no, it's going to show up in your future. And I'm going to use what's happening right now because it's underground grace. You see, this stash is for good. God is going to use that stash in your life. You see, this stash was something that God used in an amazing way. You say, why? Because this river that flowed underneath the city, it flowed from the Kidron Valley and there's the Gihon River. Guess where it flowed into? It flowed into a little pool, a little pool in the middle of Jerusalem. This little pool, it was called the Pool of Shalom. Does that sound familiar to you? The pool of Shalom shows up in John chapter number 9, verse number 7. You see, the disciples, they're having a discussion, a debate. They're looking at a man who is blind. And then they look to Jesus and they say, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he's blind? And Jesus said, neither. But this man is blind so that the glory of God may be revealed. And then Jesus spits in the dirt, grabs the dirt, rubs it on the man's eyes, and he says, go and wash in the pool of Shalom. The man goes to this pool that is fed by this river that 700 years prior, King Hezekiah, he dug 1,750 feet to create a secret source that he thought was just going to save him from the enemies. He didn't know that the Son of God was going to use it to perform an amazing miracle. You see, you don't know how God is using the things in your life. It's too soon to say, God, this is all bad. I can't believe I lost a job. Can't believe we lost a building. Can't believe these bad things happened. Can't believe that person left my life. I can't believe that person wounded me. That person hurt me. And God is saying, hey, guess what? I don't see time as you see time. I see it as finished, as complete. I see it all. And so you need to trust me in this season to know that, guess what? 700 years from now, there's going to be a man named Jesus. Jesus is going to do a miracle, and he's going to use this water that you brought, 1,750 feet, that you created a secret source. It was the Pool of Shalom. But here's the amazing thing about the Pool of Shalom. It was that secret source that even Jesus used. What's your secret source? Your secret source could be your life group, but you won't know until you try it. Your secret source could be devotions with your spouse, but you won't know until you try it. Your secret source could be church attendance, but you won't know until you try it. Your secret source could be ministry, serving one another, but you won't know until you try it. Your secret source, it could be a room in your house, where you get up at six in the morning before you have a long commute and you start it with God and you open up the word or you turn on the app on your phone and you listen to God's word or you just get out into a place. For me, you can go up to the back roads, the IBM headquarters. 
there's a little park off Bernal. And this park kind of overlooks the city. And there's a bench in that park. Three years ago, I found it. In an especially difficult season of life and ministry. I found this bench. And I'd go there, and I'd have a Bible, and I'd have a journal, and I'd, I'd play some worship music, and I'd just say, God, you've got to do something. God, you've got, to, you've got to step in here. I don't know what to do. God, my back's against the wall. This thing's going to fall apart if you don't rescue me. And it's at those moments where I just get my source. It's my stash. Whenever I'm feeling especially discouraged or down, that's my place that I go to. So if you see a white dude crying on a bench at this park, leave me alone. I'm not homeless. I'm just waiting for a message or a miracle from God. We have three children. Megan's amazing. Austin's cute. Excuse me, Cain is cute. Austin is Austin. We love him the same. I hope he never listens to these podcasts. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm preparing for a lot of therapy. But Jane and I have always struggled with Austin. He's an amazing kid. We love him. But he's different than the other two. The other two receive correction, discipline just fine. But Austin is a challenge. I think my parents prayed a prayer request when they were raising me and said, God, give Micaiah a son just like him. And that one is probably Austin. There was a particular day we were supposed to take him to school and we drive up to the school and I just, we couldn't do it anymore. And, and, and I'm ashamed to say it, but yelling and screaming just didn't work. Jane and I, were just, we just kind of threw up our hands. He's seven. He's not even a teenager yet. He's seven. And I'm already like white flag surrender. I don't know what I'm going to do when he gets a driver's license. Game over. So I said, son, stay in the car. And I went up to this park, and I said, hey, come on, jump out. Let's go to my bench. He's like, your bench? I was like, yeah. I'm trying to relate to him, right? So he sat on the bench. His feet are dangling, kicking dirt, looking at ants. And I'm trying to relate to him. Tell him, and I said, hey, son, this is a special spot for your dad. You know how Superman, I know it's cheesy. I was like, you know how Superman draws strength from the sun? I said, I sit here and I draw strength from the Son of God. And then he looked at me and he was like, so you're a smaller, shorter, less strong Superman? Boy, I will throw you off this cliff. Nobody will know. I got an alibi. There's mountain lions around here. Nobody will... And I was like, son, mom, and I, we don't know what to do. But I'm bringing you here just because I want to just show you where I go and I just talk with God. I said, I'm just going to pray with you. I know you're seven. We're just going to pray. And it was at that moment, a tear started to come down my seven-year-old's face. And it's not that a parent lives to, like, make their child feel bad. But when you don't know what to do, and all of a sudden, he just began to pray. And I knew right then God was doing a work right there. That's my secret source. Where God works, where is your secret source? We're all going to go through difficult times. Where's that place where you and I, we can hear from God? Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, Pastor, I just, I don't have it. I don't have that place. Can I look at one more verse in this passage? It's found in verse number seven and eight. In verse number seven, King Hezekiah says to his army, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there is a greater power with us the word with us, with us, with us, with us. 
with us. Sounds like something the prophet Isaiah said. Emmanuel, God with us. With us. God with us. There's a greater power that's with us. There's a greater power with us. Are you catching the church? There's a greater power with us. There's a greater power here in my marriage. There's a greater power in my parenting. There's a greater power in our church. There's a greater power in your small group. There's a greater power with us than with them. There's a greater power. With them is the flesh. With us is a God who fights our battles. Even as we sleep, the Holy Spirit is making intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. There is a greater power that is with us. You understand, you walk in a greater power. There's a greater power that God has given to you. And if you don't believe me, do you understand what the name Shalom means? It means sent. The Bible says that God sent his son, Galatians chapter number four, that in the right time, God sent his son to us. So God sent his son to us, sent. It's the same word, it's shalom. God sent him to us. Why? Because he knew that God was going to provide everything you and I needed for life and godliness. He knew you and I were going to go through dry seasons, through disappointing seasons, where we were going to need to draw strength. So God said, I'm going to give you that greater power. I'm going to send it to you. And God said, it's here. It's now. I don't know what you've been through this week. I don't know what you're going to go through this coming week. But I'm trying to tell you, church, there is a greater power that is with us this morning. And that greater power never leaves us, never forsakes us. So never doubt in the night what God showed you in the light. God is trying to lead us, church, so you don't have to get discouraged you walk through difficult times. He said, God gave it to us. My question is, God gave it. Have you grabbed it? It's there. God gave us that secret source. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I love Revelation, one of the last verses in Revelation 22, verse 17. It says, the spirit and the bride, the bride is the church, say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. It sounds to me like Jesus is saying, I'm come. I've been sent so that you never run dry, so you're never thirsty. This is the same thing Jesus told the woman at the well in John chapter number four. He said, hey, you're going to drink of this water. You're going to get thirsty. But if you drink of the water I give you, she'll be like a spring that's ever flowing up through you. You see, God doesn't want us to be discouraged. He wants us to know that we've got a secret source this morning. I love watching Kevin Hart sometimes. You gotta be careful. He can be dirty. You gotta be careful. But I like watching him sometimes. And I was watching him on an interview that Oprah was doing. Because this is, once again, sorry to admit this, I listened to Oprah's podcast. And she interviewed some cool people. So I listened to her podcast. She was interviewing Kevin Hart. And she said, Kevin, tell me about how you got started in comedy. And so Kevin said, you know what? It almost didn't happen. You see, I had to take a year off from work, and I was just trying to make it full-time as a comedian. And so he said, you know, I just didn't know what to do. So I went to my mom, and I said, hey, mom, I need the money so that I can make it. And she said, okay, for one year, I'll take care of you. And then she handed Kevin a Bible. She said, Kevin, here's the Bible. This has everything you're going to need. And so he was all excited. He went and did his comedy thing. And then the end of that first month came up and he kept checking the mailbox for that check. No check. So he calls his mom. He says, hey, mom, uh, you said you were going to help me out for a year and I need to pay rent, need to pay my bills. And, and I don't see the check. She said, did you read your Bible? He said, sure, mom, I've been reading my Bible. She said, in your Bible, this is everything you're ever going to need. He says, okay, thanks a lot, mom. Hangs up. He had lied. He didn't read his Bible. And then he's like, okay, I got enough money in the bank. I can, I can make it, maybe, kind of. And then the second month goes by. He's looking for that check, looking for it, looking for it, no check. So now he's getting really worried because he's got less money. So he calls up his mom and says, mom, hey, it's been two months. There's no money. 
His mom said, do you read your Bible? Mom, yes, I've been reading my Bible. She said, in your Bible is everything you're going to need. I said, okay, he had lied again. Third month comes, and sure enough, he's like, I'm desperate now. Foreclosure notice, eviction notice. He calls his mom. He's like, mom, you lied to me. You're, you're not taking care of me. She said, son, have you read your Bible? He said, yeah, mom, I've been reading my Bible. He said, everything you need is in that book. So after he hung up, he said, maybe I should actually read it. So this time, he grabbed the Bible, pulled it out. He opened to the beginning, and something fell out of the Bible. It was a check dated for the first month. He went a couple more pages. There was another check. A couple more pages, another check. There was 12 checks all throughout the Bible because the Bible had everything he needed, everything he needed. It was a source, a secret source. This morning, God sent us a source through his son, Jesus, to be a savior, to be your source. And his word says, if you're thirsty, come drink, because the water that I give you is eternal life. So this morning, if you're sitting here and you're saying, I don't know Jesus, I want to invite you to make today that day where you say, you know what? I'm going to get a source. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, can we all stand? I believe so powerfully that, that God wants to help us to have a deeper source, a deeper faith, a deeper trust in him. So I want to ask you a question with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you know that you've received Jesus, your Savior, and you've chosen him, and you say, you know what? I've repented of my sin. Jesus is my Savior. I've done that. I made that decision, Pastor. Would you slip up a hand just as a witness, as a testimony that you've done that? Amen. Amen. I see, I see those hands. God bless you. Thank you. You may put your hands down. There was a lot of people that raised their hands, but then there were some that couldn't. And maybe today you're saying, you know what? Today I want to do that. You say, today I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. And if that's you, would you slip up a hand? Is there anybody like that? You say, today I'm going to make that day. I see that person over there. Anybody else? All right, amen. At any point in this service, after this service, I want you to come and find anybody. You can talk with them. They'll pray with you. Because we want to make sure that you know that you have a relationship with Jesus. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.